huge news, years in the making, my brand new book that my publishers refuse to publish, Money Matrix. Beat the money system and build generational wealth. Understand the three main ways that the banks productize you and make money from you. You'll be able to turn that system against itself, build generational wealth and multiple streams of recurring income. It's all at moneymatrix.cash. And if you're quick, the first few hundred registrants and buyers will receive many special bonuses from me. The brand new Moneymaker Summit three-day special event. Meet me at a champagne reception. Meet me at a multi-millionaire networking dinner. Go now, moneymatrix.cash. This is huge. So they're really valuable disruptors, but they, they're, they're often not accepted and they have to operate alone. And it's quite, it can be quite a lonely experience, I'd say, being a disruptor. If someone as insignificant as me they want rid of, then it obviously means I'm doing something right. Mm. But they're powerful motherfuckers. Mm. Mm. Who's they? They are the establishment. You know? But who is the, the establishment? The civil service, the people who sit behind the government, make all the decisions. Who, who are the people that sit behind the government? Well, you know, Simon Case, um, the uh, what's his name, Ben Elliott, who runs Tory party funding, stuff like that. They just lean on banks and go, no, we don't want him to have a bank account. So you think they're more important, they're more... Yeah, the politicians are just... They're, Puppets? They're, yeah, they're just... Really? They just do what they're told, yeah. Even the Prime Minister? I think so, yeah. But, I mean, he's, he's answerable to an even deeper state, I would suggest, wouldn't you? Well, the, see, the reason I ask is I want to know who runs the world. Because, yeah. like, if, if I go and work for a company, I want to know who runs the company. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm working for it. Yeah. I, you know, the world is a company in some ways. I want to know who runs it. And no one can give me names and answers. Mm. <laughs> no well, one. It's, but it's a, it's a group of... It's a group of powerful people isn't it what like these 13 families thing well i don't know about i'm not i'm not down so deeply down that rabbit hole but i think people like ted ross are quite powerful in this world and whoever runs the un currently um you know these these are powerful organizations they affect the way things go but ultimately it's it's probably china just going yeah go for it no no chop your dicks off say you're a woman (laughs) (laughs) that's why they've Ping TikTok at everyone. It's the TikTok Palestine effect has been amazing, hasn't it? What is the TikTok Palestine effect? They've bombarded TikTok with um, pro-Palestine stuff. So to the point where American teenagers are very, very pro-Palestine. You know, much more than you'd expect. So are the are the people that own the media the ones with the power or is there people pulling their strings above them? Well, they're all... The, the problem is they're all in agreement. If you look at, like, reform is an interesting idea at the moment. The guys have so much publicity, it's unbelievable. I'm sitting there going, how are you getting so much free publicity when you've made £20,000 in donations in a quarter? Is this the party you started? No. No. Um, And why have you stopped talking about cultural issues and you only talk about things like economy and immigration, I suppose you can talk about a bit, but why? Because you've been sort of accepted into the fold. So the outsiders, the jihadists like me, they just make, they try and turn me into Sammy Robinson. That's what they want to do. So do you think this is real then? Because sometimes I think, well, cancel culture is, maybe it's a more commercial decision or the the platform doesn't like the narrative. Is it that simple? Because, or is it much deeper? Well, it's interesting. Why would surely a platform, if a business wants to make money, then you would expect that business to cater to as many audiences as possible, wouldn't you? And, uh, you know, I have a huge following 
of people who like what I say. And I, if I was a company, I'd want to tap into that in some way or another. Mm. I mean, probably less of the uh, spikiness that I go for. I'd sort of put, get, um, put aside all the nicety crap and just go for brutal at- attacks on things mm. that are wrong. So if you're on YouTube, though, and Coca-Cola don't want their ads attached to that... Mm. You're you're a commercial problem to them, not really a an existential or informational problem. Because yeah. sometimes, because I'm an entrepreneur, that's ultimately yeah. what I am. And so sometimes I just think cancel culture is easy to say I got cancelled because of you know whoever runs the world. And then, but then sometimes I think, well, it's just a commercial decision. Yeah, I think it's probably a mix of both. Mm. But people don't like being controversial. But you would have thought in something like the arts, are we running? We're just chatting. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, just perfect. No, yeah, it's all right. We'll, we'll leave thought, that in. You would have thought that in the arts you'd have a um, the broadest possible spectrum of views, wouldn't you? You would have thought that that would benefit the arts. You'd go, oh, right, that's the edgy drama or, you know. But yeah. no, there's a very sort of mono, monochromatic, mm. myopic, what other words can I think of to begin with, um, you know, just monocultural yeah. way of looking at the arts, which is just, which is sad. And you know, comedy's not funny anymore, so that's sad too. What because it's too risky to make a joke? Yeah, too yeah. risky to offend people. Because isn't that the place where you can fully express the most extreme views in probably the most safe way? And it's the it's the ultimate um, defence against ideology. Because it mocks ideology. Yeah. I was thinking about this about Islam the other day. It's like they, I have so much respect for Islam because they don't let you take the piss out of their religion. I'm very proud to say this episode is sponsored by AG1. As you know, we're more than 1,000 episodes into Disruptors and I very rarely have sponsors. I'm really choosy on sponsors and I only pick people that I love myself and I use myself. I have turned down loads of sponsors, but personally, I've been using AG1 for nearly 14 years myself before we ever did a sponsorship deal with them. For me, AG1 really helps with my mental focus, clarity, and overall well-being. As someone who's really freaking busy and can't always sit down and eat a million vegetables in a day, knocking back a big pint full of AG1 in the morning is perfect for me. Of course, health is wealth, and I'm in my mid-40s, I'm realizing that more and more. So if you'd like to try AG1 yourself with a special exclusive offer that I have for you right now, go to drinkag1.com forward slash disruptors. That's drinkag1.com forward slash disruptors and get a free year supply of vitamin D3, K2 and five travel packs with your first purchase on me. So one more time, that's drinkag1.com forward slash disruptors. AG1, thanks for sponsoring the show. You are legends. So you, when they come to England, you, you can't take this out of their religion, but little Niles X can get up on a cross in Dolce & Gabbana and the Christians just go, oh, well, you know. But the Muslims, if you did that, you'd, you'd lose a head. So, so do, you, do you think, so Calvin said to me that Christianity is over, it's dead. Yeah, I mean, I it's so. said it's, it's done and it's become so woke to try and survive. Um, do you think that's, the problem with Christianity is it's not, it doesn't have clear enough boundaries. I don't know. I think it's a different, I, I don't know enough about Islam, to be fair, I, but I do know that, you know, I see the intolerance of it, of, you know, certainly the Batley Grammar School and stuff like that, that that's really intolerant. And they're, now they're closing schools because of Palestinian badges and stuff like that. So there's something really intolerant about it. 
the you know Muslims seem to me to go you're not taking the piss out of my religion and that's a, that's a position of strength so if Britain but, but, which is secular liberal democracy isn't yeah. it where you can be any religion or none yeah those two things collide yeah they don't it, work it do doesn't they? work at all no so we should we should enforce our secular liberalism more and not kowtow to theocratic methods of um, ruling and and you know because also Islam doesn't have any borders does it so, you know, the global caliphate is the plan and it looks like Europe's, you know, number one and mm. they've done pretty well. Do you think that much of the killing in the world is because of religion? Um, some of it is, but no, I'd imagine most of the killing in the world is money. Right. Don't you think? Money and alliances. I mean, it's so interesting because in my family, there's, I've got um, a sibling who's married to a Muslim girl. So he's constantly pinging me um, really interesting stuff about how dodgy Israel are. And then someone else in my family is like really pro-Israel and pings me a lot of stuff about Israel. So it's all sort of information. But a lot of it um, seems to be about money killing. You know, I certainly believe that, you know, in the JFK thing and all of the the um, military-industrial complex. You know, it needs wars. Otherwise, it doesn't exist, does Well, it? wars are great business. Brilliant. Wars are wildly profitable. And I understand through my limited research that sometimes the same funder funds both sides of the war. Would make sense, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, is it money, though? I've written books on money. I've done a study on money. Money's neutral. Mm. Is it just the human leaning to corruption? Is yeah. it power? Is it um, the oppression of your opinion for the, the control and power of my opinion? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the Bible's quite interesting on the fact, the bit that always used to get me in the Bible was the fact that they offered up, uh, Pilate offered up either to save Jesus or to save Barabbas, you know, like the Fred West of, Palestine or wherever the hell it was back then, and um, Judea. And um, they chose Barabbas because Jesus was telling the truth, and that's why they killed him. So I wonder whether it's more, it's a deeper spiritual war between the secular man and what he wants to achieve in his life, the power and corruption that you, you're going to, if you don't believe in anything, in meaning, then what's going to give you meaning is going to give it, is going to be power and money, isn't it? The truth is a sort of side effect. But if you believe in something bigger than that, like a, a bigger meaning, a, you know, an, a more eternal legacy where you, you know, where there is something beyond, I'd imagine your decision-making process would be slightly different, you know? Mm. Yeah, because I sometimes think the solution to all problems in the world, this is completely fucking naive, but let's go there, is where I can exist with my opinions, values and beliefs and allow you to exist in my world with your opinions, values and beliefs and not try and change you to mine. If everyone had that outlook, we'd all coexist, probably relate better to each other, probably buy and sell more to and from each other. Um, so why do we have such an issue whereby we, we seem to want to force people to be what we want them to be rather than what they are? Because I think against another religion is, I want you to be believe what I believe in my religion. Why can't we exist in a way where 
you can have your views and they might be extreme or they might be branded as misogynistic, but they're just your views and that's okay. And we, we can still be friends and still... Well, it's a position of confidence, isn't it? If you're confident in your views, you other people's views, you can accept them. Right, because they're not going to threaten your, your own because yeah. you're confident in yours. Yeah, so if you're not confident in your views, you need, right. to, cl- you need to club people around together to, to go, no, you're right, mate. That's why, yes. that's why the Wokies are so good at everything. Yes. I've, you've given me a bit of an epiphany. It's the insecurity in how you hold your own views and other people's views make you feel threatened. So when you're threatened, you go into survival defensive mode mm. and you fight. Because one of the things always pisses me off in my company is when someone comes to me and says, well, everyone thinks that you should do this. What they actually mean is, I think. Mm. And so they use the power of everyone and they can't. I say, name me them. Tell me the names. Of, oh, I can't. I want to throw them under the bus. Throw them under the bus. Name them. And it's no one. <laughs> people are strange yeah. creatures, aren't they? Strange so, so when people feel threatened that their beliefs are challenged, instead of looking inward and going, hmm, thank you for making me question my existence. Maybe I can learn from this. They go, fuck you, die, motherfucker. I love, I love nothing more than listening to people that I don't agree with. I mean, I, I love it's it. It's the greatest growth area, isn't yeah. it? And, and I'm really open-minded to... But I, what I do is I put my views out there and then I go and, and people just go, stay done. <laughs> and I just go, I just go, but a lot of people think like this. So, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't read my uh, replies on Twitter very rare, very rare. Well, no, you'd have an existential crisis, wouldn't well, you, on a daily basis? Well, no, I wouldn't, weirdly. Uh, I, no? I, I feel sorry for people who are mean, and especially people who resort to sort of ad hominem stuff. Hurt people hurt people. Yeah. yeah. Well, but I'm a hurt person. I don't hurt people. Well, I try not to. Yeah. That's because some hurt people don't hurt people, but I think a lot of hurt people do hurt people. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it's really simple, I think, as you say. The human condition is so wonderfully simple, but also incredibly earth-shatteringly difficult to deal with. Yeah. You live, you think, you die, you know, and that's going to happen, and there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah. That's why I think a lot of them are obsessed with, you know, the whole zero thing that the ideologues are obsessed with. Tell me, what's the zero Well, you know, thing? net zero. Yeah. Zero COVID. Zero, it's every zero, everything. And what they're really trying to say is, I don't want to die. I want zero death. So they invent, you know, new and more interesting ways to... to they think keep us alive, but, you know, the cynical conspiracy theorists would say newer, better ways to shorten our lives with their endless search for utopia, which is never going to happen because the world is an imperfect place. You mm. just have to spend... I like the argument that Joe Rogan makes about the fact that when he shoots an elk with his arrow, that that elk suffers less than it would ever suffer dying in the wild after you know, a fight with another elk with an mm. infected leg or something like that, you know. And we forget that human beings are, you know, we need to eat, we need to do all the things that we need to do. And actually we need joy as well and stuff in our lives. We need to feel a sense of meaning and fulfilment. And the net zero people want to take that all away and go, no, you don't. You're a virus and your cancer on this planet is bad. We need to get carbon, which is plant food, less of it. And you're just like, why, guys? Mm. Can't you just be happy at home and, you know, spend time with your kids? Why do you have to obsess about getting rid of all the, car- all the plant food? So um, I've got a theory on this. It's a basic theory, but um, happiness isn't good for survival. 
Happiness is the reward for survival. We need a reward for survival, which is happiness. But um, the best thing for survival is being absolutely triggered into fight, flight, freeze, you know, whatever. So this is another reason why I think we're, we're so attracted to negative news and everyone wants to gossip and bitch about everyone else except, you know, I love nothing more than to do really early morning walks and see the sunrise mm. and see the sunset because it is fucking beautiful. I love nothing more than to look at my wife in certain situations and just revel in her beauty. But these are the small rewards. But, you know, if someone came into my house with a knife, I ain't going to be happy. No. <laughs> I'm going to crap my guy his ass. <laughs> so, so I feel like we don't understand how humans work. And so we just clusterfuck our entire existence because we just haven't figured out how we work. We know how this computer works. Mm. We can use it as an effective tool. So my theory is happiness is not a good survival tool, but defensiveness and anger and being on threat and fighting you away mm. is the best survival tool. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think that, I, I certainly think that happiness is, when I, one of my great distrusts, yours being the, um, everybody thinks this should happen, my, my great one that really is a red flag is when someone goes, I just want to be happy. I go, okay, good luck. Yeah. Because there's going to be periods, very long periods, where you're anything but. And if you're just going, I just want to be happy, I just want to be happy, then when that moment comes, that moment of happiness where you've got your hand out the window of your car and you're driving down a country lane in spring and it's just getting warm mm. again and you're just going, I'm happy. I just feel it, you know. You might miss that going, I just want to be happy. <laughs> and usually yeah. the people who just want to be happy are the most angry, spiteful fucks I'm, in the world. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah, because they're chasing a delusion. It's You know, you said the um, ideologists. I just want to be happy is actually, in my opinion... A naive delusion. It's impossible. A mentor of mine said, I gave up happiness a long time ago because it made me so damn depressed. Yeah. And that stayed with me. Um, I saw Robert Greene say something. Is it amor fati? Um, is the, I think, the, the Latin phrase. But basically, love everything. Mm. So happiness is seeking to love the things you love. Reality is, or the, or the reality I believe of happiness is, Love everything. Yeah, that's a good. That's that's a good way of doing it. Because also, if you if you love the things you love, then you'd be completely shit faced twenty four hours a day. <laughs> well, you would and, and <laughs> smoking crack. <laughs> um, so, um, <laughs> but then, like, I had this neck operation last year, and they said you're never going to be able to do any sport again, any contact sport again. And I was like, what? You know, like, because I love water skiing and I water ski to a quite good standard. And um, he said, yeah, you're not going to be able to do it again once they operate on the neck. And then just a couple of weeks ago when I was feeling unhappy because I haven't been able to do any exercise at all, I said, bollocks to this, I'm going to go running again. Start running, start running, start feeling happy. So okay. the unhappiness was the trigger and actually good for you to grow. There you go. Yeah. And also, if you, loved, if you love everything, you can still love Jack Daniels, but you need to love the treadmill as well. <laughs> because one... Only loving one of those things is not going to help Hedonism. You. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I quite like a bit of hedonism. I, I miss the days of um, Churchill starting the day with a little whiskey and then going on to, like, I'm just like, Jesus, imagine what you have. The modern way of looking at this would have been going, God, imagine what he could have accomplished if he was sober. Yeah. But another part of me is like, whoa, maybe he 
couldn't be. No, maybe it was because of that. Like the we rock don't star. celebrate it, do we? It's not like fat positivity. We don't sit there and go, "Oh, look, like you're massively obese. Well done, sister." Well, we don't go, "How much crack did you smoke?" <laughs> well done. Diversity. It was so inclusive with your crack smoking. How many cigarettes do you smoke today? Tell me, it's more than sixty. Brilliant. Why are we not cigarette positive? We're just obese positive. But who decides? It's yeah. because what they do is they pick on a little minority and they use them to elevate the idea of, you know, mediocrity and incompetence being a good thing, which is what socialism is, isn't it? It's dragging everybody down, not lifting everybody up. So you see a fat person, they go, you should celebrate that. But it's like, no, because, you know... It's not good. <laughs> it's obviously not great to, yeah. you know, have a heart three times the size it's meant to be, pumping around as much blood as it can around your body filled with fat. Mm. But I'm not, you know, particularly fattest, so I don't want to go on record as that. <laughs> Have I got enough fucking um, labels? Yeah. On is there me? anything you've missed in the <laughs> I think, in the list of I think what you I've shouldn't managed say. to avoid? I don't think I've been called homophobic yet. There's time. There's, there is time. I know. One of my gay friends said, "Honey, why are you burning the, my my flag? I love my flag so much." And I was like, "Do you know what your flag stands for?" And he's like, "Yeah, you know, it's for gays. It's great." And I was like, "No, no, no, no. Do you know what the black chevron means? The brown chevron, the baby blue and baby pink chevron. Do you know what they mean?" He's like, "No." So I told him, and then he's like, "Oh God, it's vile. That flag doesn't represent me at all. I hate it. No, good for you. I'm going to burn mine when I get home." <laughs> <laughs> right. Shall I have a look at my questions? All right. <laughs> so your rant, which was quoted as vile and misogynistic about Ava Evans, mm. was Ofcom's most complained about TV show of the year. You're welcome, GB News. Did you get a plaque for that? I just haven't got a plaque. No. <laughs> so for, for people that don't know, I hate doing context, but it is important. Yeah. What did you say? Why did you say it? And what did you really mean? Yeah. Um, so start off with what did I say? I said, um, who would want to shag someone like Ava Evans? Uh, and I think the words I use were, I mean, who'd want to shag that? But, but actually, if you want the full context of what I said, I said, we need strong, powerful women in this world. We don't need that. Who'd want to shag that? Um, why did I say it? Because uh, she had, the day before, on Politics Live, had belittled male suicide, something which I have had experience of. And it is deeply, deeply rude. Uh, I mean, incredibly misandrist and offensive to say that male suicide, which is the biggest killer of men under, I think, 50 now, uh, in the UK is um, in some way part of the culture war, which is what she said. And what I meant was you end up with a bird like that, your life as a man is going to be misery for the rest of your life third-wave feminist, turning you into a sort of male feminist, kind of nodding along, desperately trying to please a woman. My dad said to me, it was a bit of advice when we were young, um, on how to choose a woman, which I didn't follow, which I, <laughs> which I should have done, was he said, women always want to be in control, and then they totally hate you when you give it to them. Wow. He said, they just want to be in charge, but if you let them, they'll resent you. Mm. Yeah. And I think, it's, I think it's kind of a true true weird balancing act isn't it you know good relationships are a negotiation but if you give everything which you'd have to to someone like Abe Evans who's got a lot of opinions on a lot of things and um I think yeah I you know at the end of the day I don't really feel that bad about saying it sorry but I don't it was a bit it, you know it was a bit 
it wasn't great, but the whole... Oh, it's all just, just appalling. I, that was the most biggest bit of confected outrage I've ever witnessed in my life. I mean, they, you know, those that want to take me down, I literally, they just hand me a rope and I'm like, oh, okay, what do I do? <laughs> so like this, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. because I don't give a shit what um, uh, people knew what I was saying. Yeah. You hear that in any pub across the country and I'm one of those people that goes, I'm just going to say this stuff that people don't say out loud. Because it's not good for you to live with in, with stuff in your head that makes you angry. Mm. So I'm just going to say it. I could have said it better, 100%. But the confected outrage was, I mean, you know, they had, I mean, they, they literally had Gordon Brown. I mean, the people came out of retirement to go on TV to go, we need to shut down GB News and that man should never appear on television ever again. I'm like, okay, have you heard some of the shit that Owen Jones says? <laughs> you know, it's like, mm. I don't, yeah, it doesn't bother me. So sorry, don't feel contrite about it. At no, all. and I feel if anything, I feel really fucking bad for Calvin because what, you think he because he's loyal. Crossfire, he's just loyal. Yeah, he, he uh, Calvin, Calvin Robinson. Uh, Calvin yeah. understands what friendship is. Calvin yeah. understands what principles are. Calvin's, you know, there's a there's a whole load of us on this side of the argument that are, are like, yeah, yeah, we're freedom fighters. Yeah, yeah, yeah we fight freedom of speech. Fight. What the fuck did you say? <laughs> Get away from me, Satan. And Calvin's like, I hate what you said, but I stand by you. You're my friend. Oh. And I'm like, that's, that's I'm, fucking lovely. I'm lucky to know the guy. That is, that is. Even though he's brown, you know, and I'm a racist. <laughs> that is really lovely. <laughs> yeah, he's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, we need more people like that in the world. There are very, 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 very few of them. Because here's why I think that it's not just lovely, it's wise. Because there are good people who occasionally do bad or stupid things, mm. <laughs> even Christians or moral high grounders. We, we all, in moments, do stupid things. Yeah. But ultimately, it doesn't mean, you know, I, do, I say lots of stupid things, but I don't think I'm stupid. Mm. I do some things which aren't kind, but overall I think I'm kind. Mm. So I'm, I'm imperfect, like you said, about the world. So when people actually appreciate that about humans, i.e., my experience with you is mostly good. And, and yeah, let's have a chat. Maybe you can reword that for, for next time. But I'm not distancing myself from you just to avoid the crossfire, which Dan sort of did, didn't he? Well, Dan yes, wouldn't. Dan, yeah, he, I, he did say to me, I said to Dan, don't, um, he said, I've got a bit making me apologise. I'm screwed. Like, he, yeah. was, he was in flight mode. Yeah. I was in like, what's all the fuss about mode? Yeah. Because genuinely, I really, if you really, really, really think about some of the stuff that's been said in the last few years on TV, what I said was, yeah, crass and a bit crap. But it was after the war shed. I'd also, it had all been agreed. And all of the producers, when I was talking to them, saying, they said, what are you going to say? I told them exactly what I was going to say. And they were laughing. And they also have a delay thing where they can turn the TV off. You know, if you say right. something they don't like, no one turned anything off. Everyone no. thought it was funny right up until the moment where our friend, where it wasn't. Yeah. And her little posse of, you know, pylon friends decided that it wasn't funny. Mm. So I don't think anyone was that bothered. But anyway, Dan said to me, um, I've got to apologise. I've got to, I've got to do it. I mean, tell Lawrence, I'm in so much trouble. And I said, yeah, just apologise then. But don't fucking throw me under the bus with your apology, Dan, because you found it funny too. And he's like, I, 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 they want me to say something. So I said, don't do it. Don't throw me under the bus, mate. Do you feel thrown under the bus? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I can't remember the wording of his tweet, but it's like, at no point did I find anything about what Lawrence said funny. So I was just like, all right, mate, here's the conversation we had where you were laughing about it. You know, you read what you Are you, you still know. friends? Yeah. Yeah. I like Dan. Yeah. And he, he knows, you know, the problem with being 
the, you can't apologise to these fuckers. Because you just work. give them all the power it and work. it doesn't change anything. They're dragging you to a firing squad wall. That's what they're doing. Mm. And you sitting there with wobbly knees crying and begging for forgiveness just makes them feel better. Do you know, this is, for me, the best advert in the world for essentially being an entrepreneur because no one can fucking cancel me because I'm not working for anyone other than myself. And so I'm fully responsible for my actions. And if my actions hurt me, that costs me money mm. and reputation and clients. And if my actions are good, it brings me money and clients. But I can say what the fuck I want. Mm. And all right, there's consequences and I would be wise to know them. But, you know, sometimes, I don't know if I say I feel sorry, but I sometimes think, you know, people who are in powerful media positions, they've, they've got no freedom. Well, no, do they? No freedom. Because I Well, look how thought... Piers, Piers now oh, is... Oh, <laughs> but at least now he, he has freedom. Well, I don't know who's really pulling the puppet strings. No, he doesn't have any freedom. Piers is, per Piers is the perfect, you know, th this idea that you were talking about to avoid the black. You know, if there's a hand grenade, which I've gone and dropped. Piers will position himself just out of the blast radius while saying fucking good on you for dropping it. Do you know what I mean? He's, it's positioning. And I, I, there's Can not... I just say what he said? Just what keep it, me? yeah, keep it in your head. <laughs> yeah, but but it's, it's for context. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I don't know what he said. He blocked me years ago. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's for context. So hopefully you don't forget where you were. Mm. Piers Morgan labelled you a repulsive individual <laughs> and you're on a descent to be as appalling as you can possibly be. That's nice of him. Thanks, Piers. Yeah. So you didn't even know he'd said that? No. I'm not massively interested in what Piers says. No. The last time I saw Piers say something was when I was 100% um, right about the lockdowns and the coronavirus while he was sick there. And I was, I think I posted a T-shirt saying, I don't need a vaccine. I've got an immune system. And um, and a picture of my uh, don't need to wear a mask card. And Piers literally addressed me on TV. He's like, Lawrence, what are you doing? Mm. It's terrible for the country. You're killing grannies. Like, has he ever apologised for this bollocks? I take Piers Morgan about as seriously as my, if, if I have a second bowel movement in a day. That's how much I care about what Piers Morgan thinks about me. So, so when you said... You drop the grenade and he stays just out of the way of the blast, i.e., is he leveraging all the heat on you to, to grow his own? Yeah. Yeah. Because he likes to call himself anti-woke, Piers, doesn't he? He likes to think, you know, I'm an anti-woke warrior, but he's, a, he's the wokest of the woke. There's, you know, there's no, he's, he's, he's a right, sort of right-leaning wokest, and I, I find them even more repellent than the left-leaning left wokest. I mean, I well, because to... at least the left-leaning wokest you know isn't trying is. to be. Yeah. You know yeah. what their game is? It's yeah. when they're on your own side and they're sort of stabbing you as much as they can. You're just like, well, hang on a minute. I, right. thought we, I thought we had an enemy. It was these people who like chopping off children's dicks for fun yeah. and separating everyone out into little racial groups or sexual groups to try and dominate and control. I thought we were against that communally. But people like Piers are... Piers is a... He has to be a like a chameleon, because you can't keep a media career going for that long. You know, he had fucking staged Iraqi prisoners being pissed on by British soldiers. How many people, how many British soldiers died from IED um, attacks as a direct result of Piers's stuff and his phone hacking in Millie Dowler? I wouldn't listen to a fucking word that nasty little criminal said. Mm. Actually, I'm, that's exactly how I feel. Thanks. You've got that out of me. I have no, I, I, I have negative respect for him, so fuck him. Mm. So, 
Let's come back to the thing you said with Ava, because I thought about this a lot. Because um, on the one hand, I feel like you were being honest and talking like a, an 18-year-old would down the pub. Because mm. I've said stuff like that to my friends before, you know, and so fuck, cancel me, fucking cancel me. So I, I felt it was raw and honest. But I also thought, you're a very articulate man and you're very intelligent. And I thought maybe you'd have had more power if you'd have used that oh, intelligence yeah. and articulated it in a powerful way that made her look small without making her look small. Definitely. And that's, of course, after the fact analysis. Easy. But, so, but what do you true. think about that? Yeah, do you... 100%. I should have... I, I, in, the way my brain works is it thinks up, it goes, it carries on down the road. So over the period of a day, I'd gone from how, you God, you disrespectful cow to mm. de demean male suicide in that yeah. way but you, and you know men we all think and we all feel and we all suffer and to just th cast it aside so by the end of that day I was like god imagine being going out with her and saying something like I feel a bit down babe and she's like oh grow up you're a man yeah and then by by the time I was on Dan's show I was like <laughs> who'd want to shag that so, so, so you create this whole fictional narrative and you'd put yourself in the picture yeah. of actually being with her. Well, yeah. also, I know guys that are married to girls like that. Mm. And they change completely. Like, they go from being absolute diamond human beings to, I can't, sorry, I can't, I can't. No, 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 I'm, I'm in, I'm, we're busy that week. I think we're busy that weekend. You know, they, they just, wow. they're operated. They're run as machines. And they, do, they tend to do a deal. One of my mates has done a deal with his wife because they're so miserable and unhappy because she bosses him around all day, that the deal is as long as he does exactly what he's told at all times, he can drink as much gin as he likes and eat as much food as he likes. And now he looks like a giant fat football. And he used to be a handsome, talented, confident guy. Now he's just this really fat, blotchy-faced football who says yes to his missus all the time. Is there not an argument, though, that he should take responsibility for his own situation yeah but relationships are, are are a they're a union and a compromise aren't they so yeah their compromise that they've reached is um he can do whatever so, yeah i mean he should yeah. so he's compromised to what she wants and therefore self-negated and he's miserable so he's you know yeah. first thing through the door is a triple or quadruple gin and tonic when oh, he gets me. home from work just wow. to just to cope with her you know. Are we painting women badly here? Because no, because women are amazing. But yeah. I, you know, the thing about a great woman is that she she knows she's strong and confident in herself, mm. and she doesn't need to be you know, to control a man to feel powerful. Yeah, which just, is the opposite of being powerful. Exactly. Yeah. She's, she's. We need the world's greatest women, but I don't think feminism in any of its forms, other than the first one, which is giving me giving women equal rights to men when it yeah. comes to things like voting, has done women any good at all. Have you met a happy feminist? It's like meeting in it's like meeting an unboring vegan. It's like they don't exist. It feels like it, 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 what's the vegan joke? It feels like they live longer, but it, it, they don't. It just feels like they do. <laughs> just from talking to them. God, I'm a bastard. My missus is a is a veggie, but she's a veggie because she just doesn't like that. But she's a good example of a strong, confident woman. Yeah. She says what she thinks, but she's also well into the fact that she's a feminine presence in her kids' lives. Mm. And she's a, you know, she gets, the, she's, she's, she likes being a woman. Well, feminine she power. She's a fake man. No, feminine power is like one of the most powerful forces in the universe. But great feminine power allows masculine power 
into the life and the relationship. And then when feminine power becomes masculine is when it demasculates men and they become feminine. Yeah. And, and that's where that's where I think the world's really fucked up is we've forgotten what real feminine power is and what real masculine power is. And what we've done is put labels on it and what it should be and we've extremized it. Mm. But like what man wouldn't want real feminine power? I mean, that's beautiful. Even gay men like real feminine power. Yeah, but know? real feminine power, not... Yeah. The the feminist masculine yeah, feminine no, yeah, not power male, not the male imitators no not at all they are um they they're no fun and I'd be out with a couple of them and it wasn't an enjoyable experience <laughs> very long and I think I told you before I was literally I broke up with one girl halfway through we were walking down the road to go and see something and she started talking about the Gillette Abbott and I just turned around and walked off never spoke to her again. <laughs> It's just like, sorry. Brutal. Well, don't waste your time. No, no. No, if you know, you know. Yeah. And actually, if we all made decisions when we knew, our life would probably be a lot better. Yeah. So did, did your wife just completely stick by you through all of this or did she have some issues? She, she's not my wife yet. Oh, um, sorry. Um, but she, yeah, yeah, she just thinks it's confected madness. She knows you, I guess. Yeah. She's not also, like, it's like, I'm not... Oh, gonna... Did Lawrence really say that? <laughs> it's like, it's so easy to throw around these terms, like, oh, you're a misogynist. It's, I think it was, I'm, you know, I don't even think it was that misogynistic a comment. Did you hear what Yvette Cooper said in Parliament the other day? What did she say? She turned around and she basically took the piss out of a Tory MP's dick and the size of his dick. She said, he's waving a veil in front, he's not wearing any clothes, hiding a very small thing. And I'm just like, hang on a minute, yeah, sweetheart. You can't talk like that to men and no. then talk about misogyny. You no. know, we don't turn around. He would, if he'd stood up in Parliament and turned around to her and said, it's like she's waving a veil across her breasts and then you, it comes down and we find out that it was just chicken fillets and bollocks. Do you know what I mean? It's like if you said that to a woman, that would be misogynistic. But she can say it to a man. This is the problem. Yeah. When they come, become fake men, they think that oh, there's no rules. There's yeah. no, you know, that you can be as rude as you want. So, you know... I, Sorry, but you're going to get it back from me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think the real reason you were suspended from GB News is? Um, Are are you you done now on that? Is that like not just suspended, you're like over out? I think so. I'm, I'm, I'm sending them, I'm trying to get the internal communications at the moment, the subject access request to find out what's going on because they knew, A, they knew what I was going to say again. Right. B, they didn't turn it off. Yeah. Um, and I think, if I'm honest, I, I'm, I don't, other than the paycheck, I, I really, really don't miss GB News because the atmosphere in there is horrible. Um, it's employed, a lot of people that they employ hate it. And, you know, I think a lot of the technical problems that are caused are done by people who either do it deliberately or, you know, just don't care about their jobs. Wow. Uh, you used to walk in and be told what you couldn't talk about at all. Like I said, can I get Tommy Robinson on my show? Can I get Katie Hopkins on my show? And they're like, no, 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 never. And I said, but you've got Narinda Kaur on your show. She, she's like spouting racist crap all the time. So she just allowed, so we're, you're allowing people with brown skin to be racist on your channel, but you can't have white people who you may or may not think are racist, but somehow, you know, you're calling yourself the home of free speech. You're not the home of free speech. Well, you maybe are the guy that exposed that. Well, why did they hire me? Because they know what I'm like. It's not like I've got no record of, <laughs> of, saying, of saying slightly contentious things, is it? So my, my theory is that there's a developing model of 
what the centre-right looks like. And it's called liberal conservatism. And it basically is what GB News, the Reform Party, um, most any right-leaning people other than brave journalists like Alison Pearson, people like that who are good, which is this idea of liberal conservatism whereby 80% of the ground is ceded to the wokists. They just go, okay, right, we won't say anything. Don't, can we have a bit of, a little bit of free speech, please? Is that okay? And it's like this sort of kowtowing to the mob. So I wonder if GB News, they took all the dissident voices, gathered them together, and tried to turn them all into liberal conservatives who said the right thing. So that in that way... Which better, is an ox- paradox, isn't it? That's yeah. an... <laughs> well, it didn't work, yeah. did it? So no. it, it's, I, I'm just like, why did you hire me in the first place? You knew I'd say something bad at some point. Mm. And actually, if, you were, if they were smarter, they would have just done like what most people do when there's a major problem in life is you just take a breath and you sit down and you think, how should I respond to this? And if they were smarter, they would have said, we utterly condemn what Lawrence said, but we stand by our principles. This is the home of free speech. It was late at night, you know, and, yeah. and we stand by him and we're going to stand by our presenters who say these things because that's important in this country to have that. Mm. But you can't have free speech and Ofcom regulation at the same time anyway. So it doesn't matter. And actually TV's turned into this really boring thing where you, because of Ofcom, you've got to go, you have your host who thinks whatever the host thinks and moderates the conversation. Then someone has to agree and someone has to disagree. And it's boring because some people are just disagreeing just because they're being paid couple hundred quid to turn up and disagree um so i i find the whole format of television boring and i much prefer this sort of thing talking like this and saying what i want to say so Mm. um you know long live that world i Mm. imagine and what's the future for you then in terms of your voice and you know media you inc yeah i'm just sitting down now actually with the guys and um putting together a sort of putting a bit more emphasis on the media because I don't, I'm not, as you know, for me, I'm not, I'm not, not interested in power. I'm not certainly not interested in really that interested in um, sitting on a green bench in parliament and arguing with someone who we're never going to agree on anything um, or we agree on everything, which is what it seems to be like at the moment. Um, so I see myself more in an influencing level, which is to set, you know, push, the boat out on some of the issues that people just don't want to talk about. So I'll do more media. I'm I'm very, very seriously contemplating running against City Khan again, if only because someone's got to turn around and say what an absolute demonic twat he is. And what he's done to London, that my capital city that I love, what he's done to this place is unforgivable. What's he done? What's this he is done? In, on my questions. What? what how has London changed under his tutelage and guidance? It took 40 minutes, 45 minutes to get here from Stockwell. What's that, two miles, two and a bit miles? Um, so the whole place, he's covered the whole place in surveillance cameras. Um, he can't... Yeah, crime is crime on is the rise. 30%, knife crime is up 30% because he won't stop and search kids. Little kids in posh areas are getting killed, so you're not safe anywhere. He's stoked division, certainly racial division across this capital city to the point where we've had... You know, people I don't even recognise as British sitting there screaming. The most. I walked through the crowds of them uh, during the first few marches. And I'm like, you're not British. There's nothing British about you. You have no interest in Britain. It's the first time you've been out on the streets and you're talking about a country miles and miles and miles away. Um, and you have every right to do so. Go for it. Um, but he's done that. He's He does these things like black on the square. You know, it's like, 
what 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 would happen if we did why don't you do a white on the square as well just a celebration of white culture it's like come on man we don't do this in this in this city um and yeah look you know he's just using it as a way of feathering his own nest and he's an ideologue he doesn't focus on what matters in this city and you can't get around you're charged to get into your car, you're charged to get out of your car, it's a tax on the poor, because you, you can buy an electric vehicle, you, you, get, you can get all of the benefit in kind back in year one from your corporation tax. That's not what poor people do, or working class people. Working class people have a white van, which is their main asset, along with their tools, to do the jobs that we all need fucking doing. And they're being charged to, to do that. And they pass it on to us, which is fair enough, but it, I don't like taxing poor people. I, I don't like making the lives of the hardest working in this country more difficult to satisfy your crappy utopianism, Sadiq Khan. So, yeah, I'm, I'm contemplating that. And also, it might be quite amusing if I do the, um, if I do the launch of my uh, mayoral campaign at outside Scotland Yard and as part of my policies, which will be part of my policies, is I'll have to break my bail conditions to say what my policy would be. So they might have to send someone out to arrest me halfway through. Which might be good for the campaign. <laughs> Which would be funny. Yeah. Wow. So why do you think he arrested you? I think, he, I think he, he's got a major problem with me, doesn't he? Because, you know, people are like, well, I've got to say about him. And I'm, I, I do spend quite a lot of time pointing out what a nasty little hypocrite he is. So six coppers, yeah. So just explain, just in case. Oh, yes. yeah. So I was talking with Marjid Nawaz, and um, he, you know, again, here's a piece of rope. Do you want to hang yourself? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. You had me at his. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he, he was talking about the, the climate scheme. I'm, I'll try not to break my bail conditions in this interview. It's all right, because I've got the kids this week. Um, and the, I don't want the dog. I'm what? so blessed that the dogs were in the house. Anyway. What are your bail conditions? I'm not allowed to say the singular, the plural of the great and excellent film Blade Runner. I can't say the plural of that ever. They've just extended my bail conditions for another three months and kept all my kids' iPads and phones and stuff, little fuckers. Um, like they need those. Like I'm, I'm plotting and scheming with the... Anyway. Um, Sorry, carry on. Yeah. So I said I admired, I'm not, I'm not allowed to either support, I, I, but what I said at the time was that I admired the work of these people and, um, you know, that I would be happy to participate in it. When you say that, you mean the people that were going to... Yeah, the, um, the people I'm not allowed to talk about. Oh, you're not allowed to talk about them? No, it's in my bail conditions, which is right. why it'll be quite funny for my mayoral campaign. Anyway, so at 10 o'clock next morning, um, my, I had meetings, so my dogs were out. I've got a Labrador who is... Gentle, 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 gentle dog. But when I'm, the door opens, door goes, and I open the door, he's right in front. <laughs> and he would have, he, they would have killed him and all had to put him down because he would not have, they were so aggressive when they came in. So, yeah, 10 o'clock next morning, the, the six or seven cops turn up to the house. My neighbour said to me later, she said she was terrified. She thought that I'd murdered someone or something like that. She said when she saw them, and she was like, when I found out what it was for, I was like, oh, my God, what? She said she changed her entire view on the Metropolitan Police. And what was it for? Uh, it was Look. for um, criticising the, um, the surveillance state yeah. machine that's been built up around us. 
Uh, and they arrested me, took me down to jail. And what did they say they arrested you for? Conspiracy to commit criminal damage right. and um, encouraging or supporting an act of criminal damage. Yeah. Um, but anyone who knows me knows that, you know, conspiracy to do anything, I can't be asked. <laughs> <laughs> it's, can't be asked. it's like, honestly, really? Oh, I've dreamt up a conspiracy. <laughs> so, um, Hence why possibly they haven't charged me yet. Um, so I, basically you're too lazy to be a, of any danger to anyone. Yeah, <laughs> I'm too, yeah, I'm too lazy. Well, no, because I've, 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 I've climbed up on a few statues and cleaned them off of um, various bits of decoration. But So I don't mind getting involved. But, mm. uh, you know, I'm not really up for conspiracy to dismantle the security state. I don't, I'm not sure it's within my technological capacity. Um, so they turned up, took me to the police station. There was two calls on the way to the police station, one of a stabbing and one of a suicide. And they were like, sorry, we're busy. And I'm like, you're busy taking me, little old fucking me, to the police station to try and intimidate Why me. did they need six or seven people? Because, I mean... <laughs> Check out the gun cause show. Because they, they wanted to, A, freak me out, and B, show the public... That did this it freak is, you out? I, I, it was, you know, it's never, you're never like, hi guys. No, but, but you I, managed to do a, a video while you were there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I messaged you straight after yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't got your message because they nicked my phone. Oh. I haven't got, there's so many, I'm, they'll never give me my phone back, but I'd so love to see all the messages that I was yeah. going to send <laughs> at that time because like, mate. Um, so yeah, they, they, it was, yeah, it wasn't pleasant. And then they took me to the cop shop uh, and the bit that, and I was pretty amenable with them. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't really have that much beef with the individuals within the Metropolitan Police. I've got a lot of problems with the organisation of the Metropolitan mm. Police, but the individuals were, in it were pretty sound. And even the guy who was like, didn't like me, sort of by the end, was all right. And, you know, someone came up to my cell door and it was like a movie, it sort of cracked open, you know, that little bit where they shoved the food in and yeah. there was a brownie put on there. And I went to get it and looked out and this guy went, keep up the good work. Give <laughs> 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 me a brownie. <laughs> So, um, yeah, they kept me in there for um, a, a long time. And the only, the only time I got really annoyed was when they took my kids' stuff. And, mm. and I was just like, why are you doing that? That's, that's cruel. And my, so my poor kids were, you know, they, and actually my kids are scared now of the cops. And I've told them they should be because the cops, I said, if there's a problem, don't run to a copper. If there's a problem, run to a woman or into a shop. And, you know, but they're bigger now, so they'll be all right. Wow. Wow. Something really fascinated me. I wanted to find out if this is true um because you read shit and is it really true or not um did you go to hug stroke kiss one of your children good night and your eldest said you can't do that you have to ask for consent yeah as that's what as that what what's the school has said that's what the school are teaching them that's what they, they teach them consent it's a part of pshe they teach them it well consent is fine but what, you have to get consent from your mum and dad to have a goodnight kiss? Well, they obviously haven't taught it properly, which was in the content of my email to the school the next day. I was saying, I understand you're teaching my son consent. It's not worked very well. You haven't explained it to him properly. So let me tell you what I've done. I've explained consent to them, which is don't get in someone's face and don't touch their private parts. That's consent, without their permission. That's consent. So both my kids are now level, a year 12 understandings of consent we did it in five minutes but it's all part of the the state's desire to okay in the family oh, hmm. wow oh yeah i was just going to not challenge that but i was just thinking about the um the spanish chap who kissed the woman footballer but 
he got in her face. He got in her face. We didn't yeah. have, yeah. No, it's, it's content is simple. It's like you do have bodily autonomy. Yeah. It's like, you know, we dealt with the consent issues over the vaccines. Like, no, I don't consent to having that done. But there's a very pernicious aspect, certainly within the family court system, of um, trying to trying to really demean and devolve the values of, uh, of the value and importance of the family. You know, we're in the, the, this country is, you know, the idea that you're a secretive. I mean, I dealt with this with this Sidishka Thurmalesh thing that I did just before GB News gave me the heave ho. And um, the, the, you know, they tried to stop the family talking about her so they could raise some money to get her extra treatment because the NHS had fucked her up. You know, it's like, that's dark. You can't have closed courts when it comes to the family court and the court protection. You just can't. It's wrong. I mean, I can understand if your children are the victims of some serious sexual assault or something like that in a horrible... But, you know, that the whole idea that it's just a blanket you can't talk about it, I think is it leads to some miscarriages of justice and some pretty outlandish judgments. And that Siddhika Thurmanesh thing was was a real one. Mm. So, yeah, that, that did happen. The consent thing did, yeah. Wow. Mm. He's got over it now. Well, now he's, he's, he's nearly 16, so he doesn't want to give me a hug anyway. <laughs> How old are you? I'm 45. So I'm 45. Mm. And I think... Fuck! If I was eighteen and dating, shit, I'd be, I'd fail, <laughs> immediate fail. Well, I, to be fair, <laughs> really I, hard. I did. I, I was single for with you know intermittent relationships for <laughs> quite a long time through my um since my divorce. And yeah, no, you you really good. It's a good thing. What's a good thing? It's a good thing that um you know you you make just check that everyone's all right with what's going on, you know. As in consent, is that what yeah. you mean? Consent is a good thing, but like, what is consent? And yeah, is it not just so much more dangerous now that you can retrospectively, oh, I didn't, you know, because I, like, I don't even know if I should say this, but I feel really strongly. Like, I know it was a bit of a shock to her, but at that time when that Spanish footballer got the kiss, it was a bit of a shock. But the guy was just excited. They just won the fucking World Cup. Yeah. I'd go kissing everyone if I won won the World Cup. So I have some sympathy for the guy. But then she was like laughing about it and mm. it was all good and she looked good. And and then it was, and then she was like, oh no, I didn't give consent. Oh, but maybe I did. No, and, and like, you either did or you didn't. She's an activist. She was an activist. And, you know, activists get upset about things that they're not really upset about. Are they? Oh. <laughs> so is that the definition of an activist? Yeah, often. I, well, I often ask myself, like, are you an activist? Well, I, this is what, what I was getting to. I often ask myself, like, are you really that upset about that? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, what, what is it that you're upset about? Well, I'm upset that they rewrite books, that they're rewriting Roald Dahl books. Mm. Why? Why does it bother you? Well, because it's making the words are the most important thing in Roald Dahl books and they're really mischievous and it's really brilliant. So I get to the point of going, yeah, I am. Mm. I do care about what I... But I think it's worth asking yourself the question every time. Yeah, because How much you've got to pick your battles, haven't you? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> or, or, just, or just go, which, yeah. how many, so you've got a hand grenade and a piece of rope. Yeah. <laughs> what should I do first? Both of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you do. But it's worth, I think it's, I think it's, it's unique to my side of the argument, the sort of curious, critical thinking side of the argument that you actually bother asking yourself. Mm. I don't think the proponent, like we saw Constantine Kissing did a video of the guy in London holding a, say, um, you know, Palestine thing, and he was from the river to the sea or whatever, and he was like going, do you know 
where Palestine ended. He's like, to be honest, mate, and someone just gave it to me and I'm just hand holding it. So it's like, <laughs> it's like me yeah. walking down the, the street with, it's pathetic. Yeah. You know, critical thinking is important. And I do critically think, but I also critically, I mean, part of my approach is I realise how intolerant these people are. And it's not a lot of them, but it's 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 enough to to the fact that they're in pretty much every institution, the diversity, mm. equity, and inclusion crowd. How intolerant they are! You don't reason with these people; you attack them and you mock them and you and you laugh at them. And when you do that, they have no defence because the worst thing they hate most is being laughed at, which is why they've tried to kill comedy. Because you can't, if you turn around to a to a fat positivity movement and go, <laughs> just she's a unit, they'll go, you you can't. You can't say that. And you go, but she looks like the marshmallow man from Ghostbusters. Showing your age. <laughs> and they and they go, um, they, they get very upset. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't have time to, I, the, the people I have time to talk to are the people that are interested and, want, and care about what you think. And the people who just want to destroy you, which let's face it, last four years of my life have been nonstop people trying to destroy me. That's what they've been trying to do. I love them. I can forgive them in a kind of Christian way, but in another way, I'm like, you're my enemy, and I we, I will take you down. Mm. I think it's fair enough. Mm. When you're attacked, you're allowed to write to write to what's it called? The legal term, reply to attack. Right. Mm. So this show is called Disruptors. Yay! <laughs> so we now have a disruptive round. Right. Four-ish questions on the theme. First one: What's the biggest disruption that's ever happened in your life? Having kids, I think, yeah. Having children, having these, this little thing that you're like, oh fuck, I don't know how to look after you. And then you immediately, like, I, when I, when my son, my eldest son was born, I went outside and burnt all of my clothes, every single thing I owned, pretty much, except one outfit, because I was just like, that's the old me is dead, he's gone. And I'm like, why are you doing this? <laughs> Why seems to be a question you ask yourself a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's good to ask yourself why. You can't yeah. walk around... Why don't you ask yourself before you burn all your possessions? Why? But, or should I? Well, I Before. To... That's, that's good advice for Lawrence. Yeah, it is. Should I before rather should... than why afterwards? <laughs> should I? Yeah. The... <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. No one else is going to do it. It needs to be done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kids was the biggest disruption, uh, but it was an amazing and wonderful mm. and happy disruption. But it was yeah, it was pretty. It's quite intense, as, mm. as you know. I do. Yeah. What's the biggest risk you've ever taken? Telling the truth, saying what I really, really, really thought. Do you think you have the right to say what you really, really, really think? Yeah. Even if it hurts another human. Those words don't hurt anybody. Really? Not really. Not physically. No, words don't physically and hurt also, people. Also, who, who decides? The, you've got to, the problem with all of that sort of stuff is it's very subjective. You've got to work out like who decides But where. everything is subjective, isn't it? Other than the laws of the universe. Um, well, yeah, I mean, to, yeah, there's that argument to be made, but also there, there are some things that, certainly in terms of speech, there are things that people will come in unison together against like the calling of incitement to violence against another person. I think we'd all agree that was bad. The fire in an empty theatre thing. You know, that, but in terms of... So there does have to be a line. I mean, do I think... That, well, there, there is a line, whether we like it or not, in law. Do I think that... Um, I mean, I just think about some of the things that I get called. I've had people say the most 
I mean, just God, where do you get imagine that from? Yeah. But I defend their right to say it if they want to say it to me. They want to say, you know, I mean, some of the stuff I don't I have to report to the police because yeah. like, I'm going to shoot you in the face with a shotgun when, yeah. when you walk out of the house. Um, but, you know, do I think that... <laughs> Yeah, I think you can, you know, words are, words are powerful. I'm not demeaning the, the power of words, but I'm saying, you know, that words don't hurt unless you allow them to hurt. You know, you, you have mm. a right not to be offended by something. And um, ultimately the truth is discovered and found by mining ideas with words. Mm. And that's, I, I think it's more a more sacred value than going, right, we've got to shut up about all of this stuff. I mean, if someone's walking around, I've got a, problem with the n-word because we've all got to say the n-word which means you have to say the real word out loud in your head when someone says the n-word have you noticed that when well someone, i just said it in my head did you say it in your head when, yeah, yeah that, that drives me mad so. i wonder if i actually said the right word that you're referring to or i said something else well <laughs> it's like it's very strange that we've got these positions in society where you know an entire well not the entire but you know a real serious slant of uh, you know tranche of the hip-hop industry is based on using a word that nobody else in society is allowed to use yeah it's kind of strange isn't it i find that odd i don't think i don't think you find it odd i think you find it another word what do you mean i think you find it stronger than odd yeah i i, I think it's I, I think it's not good. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think you, I'm reading, yeah. but odd sounds like a neutral word to describe. Well, I mean, it, it. it doesn't. It doesn't obsess me. But I am just like it's weird that we've yeah. we've reached that we've reached point. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong that speech codes are being enforced on one part of the population and not on the other part. Yes, of the population because because you, you wouldn't want it the other way or another way because it wouldn't be fair. Well, no people. Or call, right, call, we're allowed to be called crackers. No one goes the c word. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, it, I've I've been finding that fascinating. And I, throughout this libel trial I was in, every time she asked me a question, I'd said, well, just swap the word black for white and tell me if it sounds racist. And it's the ultimate way of going through these arguments. Yeah. So if you go black privilege, does that sound racist? Yeah. Black fragility, does that sound racist? Yeah. Black tears, does that sound racist? Yeah. It all sounds racist. Mm. So why is it not racist the other, other way? That's, yeah. that's my view on these things. But anyway, you know, that's only for people who divide people down those lines anyway, which I don't, couldn't yeah. give a shit about what colour someone's skin is. Yeah. Or who they want to shag, as long as it's not kids. <laughs> or Ava. Oh, no. <laughs> but the, the problem is Ava's actually quite good looking, isn't she? <laughs> Should have ruined that one. I could have sidled up to her with all my male feminism on display. Oh, I agree. I agree with you. Must become allies to the trans community. <laughs> Would you like a kiss? May may I kiss you on the cheek? <laughs> Do I have your consent? <laughs> right, I'm, I'm taking you out of this hole. What's the most disruptive thing anyone's ever said or done to you? Um, my dad, when I was about six, we went to um, we went windsurfing. Six, seven, we went windsurfing, and we were camping. And uh, in the morning, I woke up and I wedged myself between the seats of the car. And I'm talking to dad and I'm talking to my brother. And my dad turned around and went, have you brushed your teeth? And I immediately felt like like a stinky little... And, I, and it was, I still remember it to this day, so it must have been a pretty powerful moment. And I'm quite kind of... Even nowadays, my oral hygiene. It's quite strange. Did he say it in a way that was a neutral question? 
of I've, curiosity, or did he say it because he thought your breath stunk? I think he said it because my breath stunk. Because that context is important, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was like, oof. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing how those small things can imprint on us forever. Mm. Yeah, and, it's in, and also it can imprint on your own children without you ever passing it on. Yeah. They'll become, because they'll notice you are quite like... So they're like, oh, I want to be... Do you have gum issues and you brush your teeth so hard? You're well, dentist. I, I only smoke 300 cigarettes a day, so <laughs> I don't think it's the brushing that's going to cause gum issues. No, I don't brush my teeth like an OCD, but I do, when I brush my teeth, I brush my teeth. Mm. Wow, that is an unexpected answer. I'm an unexpected person. Perfect for the concept. Yes. <laughs> right, quick fire round now. Okay. So we've got T minus eight minutes. Okay. Um, a million cash, a million engaged social media followers. Which do you take and why? Um, a million cash because I've got enough social media followers as it is. And maybe you need the bail. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I need some, yeah, I do actually, yeah. What would you do with a million cash? I would buy myself a small cottage with no phone reception in it and an opening on a fire and possibly a horse that I could ride to the nearest pub. Does money make you happy? It certainly doesn't make you... Uh, uh, yeah, it can make you unhappy. Um, I think it, it helps in the, you know, I, I'm, when I'm skint, I worry about money. When I lost GB News job, I had a long worry about money. You know, you do, yeah. You need money, especially when you've got kids. But it's not the be-all and the end-all. You know, you look at a lot of societies and cultures around this earth trade in materials and swaps and things like that, and they seem to be much happier. So, no, money... I think it says that money is the root of all evil, doesn't it, in the Bible? Yeah, the love of money is the root of all evil. Love of money. All kinds of evil, yeah. Yeah, I I don't love money. I'm not a... um, I don't think about it too much. I just don't think that's right, though. The love of money isn't the root of all evil or all kinds of evil. The root of all evil is evil because money is not evil. Well, maybe because money is the m- money is the only social construct that we all believe in. That it's yeah, it's, it, it is a story, but it's also a tool. Yeah. Well, I just think you know. I'm sorry, but if Jesus said it, mate, you, <laughs> it's like deal with it. You have to work out why he's right, not if he's right. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best advice you ever received or remember receiving? Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. What's the worst advice you ever remember receiving? Yeah, tweet that. That's funny. <laughs> Um, the worst advice I don't know I I don't I I, I can't really judge bad advice what who's given me bad advice probably had a lot I don't I try not to focus on negatives who gave me bad advice I really nothing comes to mind at all I can't think sorry that's the answer then yeah Mm. yeah quite a few people say that they don't remember it Mm. because they don't listen to it and they don't take it yeah so you'd forget it, yeah. You? Yeah. Hmm. What's your biggest regret? Um, oh Jesus! Now that's the list. Um, I think I regret, if I'm brutally honest, I think I regret rushing into marriage very quickly without getting to know the person I was marrying well. And it's not a, ju- a judgment or an indictment on her, but no. it's just, yeah. I think, I think I should have. Uh, you know, whatever, whichever way you look at it, marriage is, especially with kids involved, is, is the biggest decision you make in your life, pretty much. So it's worth taking a bit of time over it rather than going, yeah, let's go, let's do this. Brilliant, let's go and buy a house. Cool, let's do that. Let's get an MG. I'm going to get a horse. Yeah, do that. And then you've got to 
get to know each other. And it doesn't always work out. <laughs> and has it been a mess? Yeah, it's a, it's a complete disaster. Major mess. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. On, ongoing eight, how many years later. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and never ending. I see the family court as a tax that I have to pay to see my children. Mm. 100 grand a year to see my kids. Yeah. Mm. What's your most brutal life lesson? Um, the fact that there's no fucker there to pick you up in the end. Like, the only person that's going to pick you up is you. You can have all the people in the world around you supporting you and getting you ready and getting doing that. I've gotten blessed with a brilliant team who work with me. But at the end of the day, if I walk into that office, as I did yesterday, and spent six and a half hours on the phone to various lawyers, in between bouts of standing up from my desk, going to the have a was and going fucking bollocks can't um they just go quiet in that situation and it's up to you to get yourself back in order that's brutal because there is only you and the big man upstairs who will help you out but you often don't want to when he's saying what you need to do you're like oh god why can't you just give me something easy to do <laughs> so um yeah you're 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 it's up to you. Anything you want to do in life is going to be done by you. You're going to have to take responsibility for it. You're going to have to own it. You're going to have to run it. And, you know, that's it. Mm. We've talked a bit about men's mental health. What's a 15-second or less tip you've got on good mental strength as a man? Um, the first, uh, remind yourself that nobody's looking at you and caring about you as much as you think they are. So lose your fear of your paranoia of, of what other people think about you. Um, believe that your voice matters. Um, speak the truth. When you feel depressed, don't drink at lunchtime. Go for it to the gym instead. And um, try and be moderate in all things, including moderation. And this show is called Disruptors. This is the final question. What does the word disruptive mean to you? Disruptor, it's a great word. It means to me those that are outside of the established narrative who prod and push at the, at the agreed narrative, you know, and disrupt the environment within which the narrative operates. So we're seeing it. This happened. Chris Rufo is a disruptor, isn't he? He just disrupted the entire diversity, equity, and inclusion industry in America. So they're really valuable disruptors, but they, they're, they're often not accepted into the team and they have to operate alone, and it's quite, it can be quite a lonely experience, I'd say, being a disruptor. Well, second time round, Lawrence, I've loved this. Thank Thanks you for being on the too. show. Pleasure.